Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I think you talk to them. You don't come out the first day and give your hopefully semi-interesting spring training speech to the whole team and hope that that's going to do the trick. That's that's not how it works. And I, and the way it works is you hopefully talk to them this offseason and then you get to know them a little bit and then you get to know them a little more and then you show up to spring training and you take a you take an interest in them not just in their baseball careers but get to know them i mean i like to get i like i like getting to know people and i appreciate the people that i work with not just for the for the players that they are and what they do out on the field um i like to know what makes these guys tick and and really how to get the most out of them on the field and and off Rocco Baldelli, new Twins manager. Judd, how close do you think the Twins are? How like how close do you think he is to taking over a playoff caliber or or winning team here? Oh, this is so difficult because there's so many question marks, and we don't know about Sano or Buxton and the pitching. I would say, being realistic about that, at least 2020, 2019, because we don't know. We know we're pretty sure Rosario is going to be your opening day left fielder next year. Besides that, we don't know. Pitching, we know some, but not a lot. The bullpen probably has to be redone. I would say there's got to be at least a year here to to figure out what's going to happen to the key players. Yeah. See, my gut says, yeah, it's, it's man. There's a lot of work to be done before you can start competing with some of those other teams in the American League. But two other things to note: the American League doesn't have a lot of great teams in it. Now, it's super top-heavy. The Astros can win the World Series, the Red Sox, the Yankees. But the Central certainly does not. The Central has one legit team, and the Twins are second behind the Indians. But the Twins, with Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano giving you nothing this year, and with a just revolving door of position players and relievers, they almost finished 500. They won 78 games, and if you if you can unlock... Even one of those two guys, and maybe add a couple pieces in free agency. Your free agents didn't pan out really at all. Yep. So if you can hit on a couple free agents and unlock Byron Buxton, do you take a seventy-eight win team up a few notches? Here's, here's my question for you: How bad do we expect the Tigers, White Sox, and Royals to be in two thousand nineteen? Because that's a lot of potential wins if they're still awful. But if they start to build and win, that becomes a bit more of a problem. Yeah, in order, I would say White Sox. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna jump on the Judd Zolged theory from two years ago about the White Sox that they've got enough now. Where okay, it's they're they're gonna start to be feisty pretty soon. Royals feel like teardown mode. Yeah, and Tigers just feel like poor Gertie. wheel spinners, I guess. So 
Um, all right, let's let's bring him in here. I'm I'm going to guess that Rocco Baldelli hasn't done many interviews in the last two hours. What's going on, Rocco? You're on with Mackie and Judd. Hey guys, uh, yeah, we've done a few, but you know what? I'm still good. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, which we 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 enjoyed your introductory press conference, and especially your chiding of our close friend and colleague Patrick Royce. <laughs> Without missing a beat, you told him to be more open minded, which we've been telling him for years on this show. More so you nice than me, Phil. <laughs> he was good. He was having fun with it. Yeah, that's what we like. Yeah. Which? Oh, yeah. What? What would you say in in terms of your career, even as a player, as a as a jack of all trades? In the Rays organization, which managers and or leaders that you've been around have had the greatest impression on you? So I've I've been I've been fortunate. I've 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 spent time around. Lou was my first manager, uh, and I learned a lot of lessons from Lou. And you know what? Some of them were good, hard lessons, but he was always very fair. Um, And then and then a different sort of manager came with with Joe Madden, and then Tito in Boston the year I was there, and then the last four years with Kevin. Um, and I've gotten to know Kevin through working with him firsthand and, and I feel most comfortable probably talking about him. Uh, I got to watch him basically come in and grow over the last four years and continually learn and, and try to make himself better. Um, he's, he's really impressive and, and, he does it with a smile and creates a really cool atmosphere for the players to show up to every day. Um, he's, in my opinion, clearly one of the best managers in baseball. I feel like that deep down. I have no issues saying it. Um, and on top of that, he's a friend. He's helped me out in this uh, through this process as much as as much as anyone. And uh, so I, I actually have a lot of fun. It, it's nice for me to be able to talk about him because he means a lot to me. What did, do you uh, perceive to be your strengths right now for this job, and and where do you feel that that you have the most room for growth or to learn now that, that you have this position? So I think it's fair to say that I I really believe that I have a I have a lot of room for growth in just about every position. I don't think I think I have a ton of respect for this position and this job. Um, and and that's what makes me say that I, I I need to spend time around a lot of people and take advantage of all the resources that I can, uh, to 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 even get in a position going into the season where I'm comfortable um, and where I'm ready to go. I, I think I think one thing that is clear is for me um, is that I want to create a really really good positive relaxed environment for for these guys to show up to, um, where where me and the, uh, you know myself and the staff. Um, you know, get these players in a place where they want to be. It sounds like very vague, but it, it, it's not. It, it's actually getting these guys in the best position to go out there and play well. And I, and I truly believe when guys are not comfortable and are not confident and don't know where they uh, necessarily stand, they probably won't play as well um, as if they are. So that that's generally my main goal and something that I think we were able to do in Tampa Bay, and, and Kevin is the biggest part of that. Rocco Baldelli, a new Twins manager with us here on Mackie and Judd. Uh, I, I said this to the guys here last hour. I want you to, from your perspective, tell me if I'm if I'm onto something. It feels like for 10 or 15 years, the arms race in baseball in front offices and with, with coaching staffs and on the field was gathering information that no other team had. But now it's almost like all the information is widely available, and, and if, if teams are open to it, they can gather information. It feels like the arms race is, how do you communicate and disseminate 
information to human beings, right? right. To guys right. who have different backgrounds and guys who have different personalities. And I would feel like that is a really, really important piece to success in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, you. everything I was thinking, you, you kind of made some of these points for me, and, and you explained it very well. I think that that makes, that makes very good sense. And um, teams have very good information. A lot of teams have pretty solid information to work off of. It's just finding the best ways to apply it. And if you could have the best information in the world, if you can't apply it, it's, it's almost useless. And, on, and, and not just useless, it could actually be a negative because if you really can't apply it at all and you can't explain it or talk about it, it almost becomes a detriment and, and something that you have to work around. Um, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And, and, and that's, the cha- that's still a challenge. You know, I, I have, have a decent background in Tampa Bay, my my experiences there and the people I've spent time with prepared me, I think, to to be sitting here talking with you right now. Um, but even even I have to admit, they're, they're, these are challenges. You know, can, trying to introduce new thoughts and new ideas into a, a sport where um, you know things have been done the same way for a long time. That's not easy, and it's also not easy because we're just doing what we think is best. It doesn't even necessarily mean we know that what we're doing is always 100% correct. So you're basically, in some ways, maybe not shooting at a moving target, but you're, you, these are challenges that, that you have to deal with in the clubhouse on a regular basis. So how key is it uh, to go down that path of keeping things simple? Because it seems to me now we've entered into an era of baseball where we want to make things as as difficult as possible or as elongated as possible. How how much of this comes back to going to the athlete and keeping things as simple as you can? Probably a lot of it. I, I again, that's that's another really good point, and it's it's a great principle to to live by. I think when you're just dealing with with people um, when you're trying to talk about something that is potentially complicated you don't want to explain it in a way if you're trying to explain it to someone and get the most out of you know whatever that information is you really want to boil it down as much as you can and the and the best messages and and bullet points and doing it as concisely as possible that's that's the way to get the most um out of it, I think, in a lot of ways. And maybe there are instances where you do want to get a little more specific and spend some more time on some things. But you, I think you can get a long way with just the good, solid, concise bullet points. Yeah. All right, I got, I got to add, let's get to the real stuff here. Do they prep you for Sid Hartman before these introductory press conferences? I love them. He, he was just uh, inducted into, Dustin, which Hall of Fame? The Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame uh, this week, and I think everyone honestly was very happy to to recognize him and uh, and see him here. He was great. Yeah. But did they prep you for the fact that he was going to ask a question without the the mic, which they had told people to have the wireless mic, Rocco? That's the question. There's going to be a dude in the front row just shouting things yeah. at you. You're going to have to answer it. That's probably the preparation. You know what, Dustin over here, and everyone prepared me for. I think just about everything that came up. <laughs> oh. So I felt I felt okay walking into the room. I really did. Yep. Uh, and never ever be afraid to throw fastballs back at Patrick Royce. I don't know if you <laughs> if you've interacted with him in the past, but you can you can zing him high and tight. Okay. If you know what, if I can't have fun, I'm really not sure how to act. So I I'm I'm in. Yes. I'm totally in. Yeah. And feel free also as we're giving you free advice to bring back the uh, the dance parties after after victories if you want to put some. Some uh, techno music and you know disco ball, liven like things said, up in there. 
Whatever, you know what? Whatever the players want to do in that regard, I think they should do because I think you know them having a good time and and celebrating when it's the time to do that is uh, I think that's part of the game. Right on, Rocco yep. Baldelli. Thanks, Rocco. Nice talking to you, guys. Thank you. All right, that's the new manager of the Minnesota Twins, Rocco Baldelli, and uh, we can, we're going to get Pat on here for some expanded Ricey time in like fifteen minutes. But before we do that, Judd Zolga, we got a, we got another friend on the phone here. Indeed, it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh. Five eight five zero. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, here's a quick check on your traffic. Brought to you by Kitchen Window. Uh, just one crash to tell you about. It's on one sixty nine southbound near uh, Eden Prairie. That's between Anderson Lakes Parkway and Pioneer Trail. Uh, prepare for an extra 15 minutes there. Don't miss the Knife Fest this weekend from 10 to 4 at Kitchen Window, Calhoun Square in Uptown. Free knife sharpening, free knife seminars, and 20 to 70% off all cutlery. Kitchen Window's Knife Fest at Calhoun Square this weekend. Details at kitchenwindow.com. I'd love to sit in on one of those Sid Hartman slash all of the local media preparation sessions for a new coach, new manager when they come in. And there's there's Sid just lobbing. Rocco got lobbing very grenades. careful. <laughs> Rocco got really just, careful. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great question. It was. Yeah, he used to talk. Yeah. What Hall of Fame again, Dustin? Wouldn't that be fun, though? All right, so just stick with me here. There's going to be a guy in the front row. He's been around for 100 years, <laughs> literally, and he's just gonna, <laughs> he's just going to start shouting things at you. So just be aware of that. There's going to be another guy with kind of a grovelly voice who probably throws a clever, tricky question at you and then will rip you on in the column and rip you for the next five years. <laughs> but besides that, it's going to be smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this is, this is, I don't know if this is a Woj bomb, but it's definitely a Woj hand grenade or landmine of some kind. Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN, NBA Insider, tweets, story posting soon. The Houston Rockets are making a renewed bid to acquire Minnesota All-Star Jimmy Butler, including four, count them, four future first-round draft picks in their most recent trade offer. So apparently they've already offered four first-round picks to the Wolves, and the Wolves haven't immediately said yes to that. So four first-round picks, and what do you think? Well, it's a cap filler, so... Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon makes twenty or million or something. PJ okay. Tucker, maybe. All right, so if, in which, in which you'd still be competitive with those two guys. Yeah. So if you're the Wolves, if you're Glenn Taylor, I think you have to do this. Yes. But part of this then is an admission that ASAP Tibbs is going to be fired because I don't want Tibbs anywhere near these picks. But I like the idea for the franchise. Well, let's go through what we know according to Adrian Wojnarowski. What we know has been offered between the Heat and the Rockets. The Rockets. And if I'm reading this tweet right, he refers to this trade offer in past tense. Their most recent trade offer included four first-round draft picks. So this isn't like, oh, they're kind of thinking about throwing. No, they've offered the Wolves four first-round draft picks. Granted, the Rockets are really good, at least right now. And so they wouldn't be premium draft picks, but they would be first-round draft picks that could land you good players, right? So you've been offered four first-round picks by the Rockets. And at least Josh Richard, uh, Josh Richardson and probably a draft pick from the Miami Heat. And Josh Richardson is not going to be a star player for you right away, but he's a four-year contract guy 
for like ten or twelve million dollars a year. Really nice two way player. Yep, shoots some threes, plays defense, and he fits right in there. So if you aren't accepting either of those two offers, either a you're pretty confident something better is going to come along down the down the pipeline here, at the risk of Jimmy Butler blowing out a knee and reducing his trade value to zero, or you've just never been serious about trading Jimmy Butler. B would be yeah, you've just. You have no plans to trade right. Jimmy Butler, right. apparently. If the Rockets are going to give you four first-round picks. Now, I mean, being realistic here, the Rockets are obviously a good team, a championship-contending team, so those picks are going to be figured to be in the 20s for the next, at least for the next couple of years. But to me, it's like if you're getting that and you're getting a player back, I think you got you got to do that deal. I think you got to do that deal because those first-round picks become really, really valuable. Yeah. Down the line, as, even if they're in the twenties, and as this is via our buddy Chris Long from Channel Five, who's re- relaying something that Doogie told him in the sports office, and it's uh, yeah, it's a good reminder. You can only trade first rounders. You you can't trade first round picks yeah, in consecutive right. years. You can trade other. So oh, if you if okay. you were to have a, this is where it gets juicy. If, I don't know if if either you or Declan Manny can look up. Do the Rockets have other teams' first-round picks that might even be more valuable because those teams are worse than the Rockets? I wonder. Now, they gave up. Oh, they here did, he is. They, so he, oh, he's, he knows all the trades. Well, come on, Manny. They gave come up, on, no, I know they, 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 they did give up a first-round pick to get Chris Paul okay. to the Clippers, but I think that pick, was that pick already used? In this past year's right, I gotta look it up. I mean, I it would be just like the Wolves okay. though to get a trade like this and two of the first rounders are nine years from now or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, that's correct. It's I forget what the name of the rule is, but you can't trade uh picks in consecutive years. Mm-hmm. So they would be basically be getting if they get four four first round picks, it'd be but that might actually every work. other year. Yeah. But yeah, like every other year you're by, getting an extra first round. By the pick. end, too, there, there's no guarantee that Houston's going to be as good as they are right now. See, it would have sure. been nice for Unless the Wolves. Unless there's if, like some protection on the on the picks. If, or something if like the that. NBA had a rule where you couldn't make first round picks consecutive years, the Wolves would have been saved from a West Johnson Ba-dum-bum. day. Yeah. I got a question for both you guys about Cat, and and I asked this question without prejudice towards the answer at all. It's just a legit question. How long, given given how he's playing and, and most importantly how he looks when Butler is playing, how long is this worth doing for for Cat's sake? And, and this, this also could come back on him needing to grow up and be more mature himself. Sure. Mm-hmm. But when you watch him playing with Butler on the floor... It's I don't know if it's sapping him or w- what the correct word is, but he doesn't look like the same guy. Mm-hmm. How long is this charade or game worth playing if it indeed is it's, impacting him as much as I think it probably is? It's not worth playing right now. It's ridiculous that they're playing this game. The, the only reason to play this game is if you think there's a really good chance Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns can get back on the same page if they ever were and that Jimmy Butler is going to be here long term that he's going to sign back for four or five years I don't think there's a chance in hell that either one of those things happens and so especially if you think Jimmy Butler is going to leave anyways then what do you if you've got offers on the table for a bunch of first round picks or a Josh Richardson what kind of a game of chicken are you playing right now with a guy who gets injured on a regular basis I mean if that if Jimmy Butler decides and he's already set out one game right Mm-hmm. If Jimmy Butler decides, you know what? Yeah, my knee's not feeling too great. I'm just going to hang out on the sidelines for a couple months because 
I'm probably still going to get paid anyways after the season's over. I mean, we'll go on a PR tour, and there's going to be teams that want me. It's just a, it's a ridiculous game of chicken. And if there was upside of a championship, and you said, guys, let's just let's keep this thing together for one more year, and let's try to win a championship. Like there were some rumors about the 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 sixth championship Bulls team that a lot of those guys didn't like each other anymore, and it was kind of toxic and stuff. Well, mm. we're good enough. Let's keep it together, right? This team's not going to win a championship. Even if this team peaks and plays at its top level, you think they're going to beat that Warriors team? Or, uh, well, the Rockets aren't as good as they were last year, but they're not going to win a championship. So why are you playing this game of chicken? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and I mean, I just look at it like this. What we're seeing is the head, the relationship between the head coach and Carl Anthony Towns is not a good one, and it's not a good fit. And the relationship with... Towns and Jimmy Butler is not a good fit. And so the situation, like you have to look at this and you have to say, okay, what is what is the best option going forward here long term? Do we want to hitch our wagons to Jimmy Butler and run the risk of, you know, giving him a max deal? He's going to turn 30 at the new at the new deal when the new deal starts next year. So do you want to hitch your wagons to that, to a guy that might be having some knee problems three, four years from now, and he's making 38 to $40 million a year on a max contract, or do you want to hit your wagons to the $190 million center that you just paid who's only going to turn 23 next yeah. month and has a ton of upside? And look, you know, all this stuff, I was going back and forth with people on Twitter about this last night about, well, he's soft and he knit. Look, it's 2018, man. It's 2018. Like, I don't care about, you know, if, if you know, why well, he's soft and he did. This is not the 1995 New York Knicks with Pat Riley. He's got Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason in his starting lineup, and they're just gonna they're just gonna beat you up for two and a half hours mm-hmm. in a basketball game. This is this the game today is about skill. It's about utilizing your best players. It's about connecting with your players. And if the head coach doesn't want to do that, or if he's not capable of doing that. You got to make a change because Carl Anthony Towns is the one who's more likely to be here and be a part of this long term. Yeah. Uh, according to that was a great rant, and I agree with everything Manny just said. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, according to what website did I find this on? I got the Rockets future first round picks here. Like I've got the ones that the, the Wolves could trade for. According to prosportstransactions.com, they don't have a first round pick in 2019. And they don't have a first round pick in 2020, and you can't trade consecutive year first round picks. Which means the four soonest first round picks the Wolves could get from the Rockets are 2021, yep. 2023, 2025, and 2027. Nine years from now, I was kidding five minutes ago, but <laughs> but apparently one of those picks would be nine years so from they, now. So if they make Uh-oh. that trade, somebody that the Wolves would draft is probably about nine years old right now. Correct. <laughs> but it'd be a hell of a nine-year-old. <laughs> oh, man. Unless I'm missing something here. I don't, I, I don't think they have other teams' picks. I don't know. Somebody who follows the NBA yeah. d- uh, draft conveyor belt of, of picks and trades, let us know. Yeah, because that makes sense because the, the picks that they don't have in 19 and 20, one of those, I'm guessing, probably went to the Clippers in the Chris Paul trade okay. of some sort. But you know what? This comes down to one point. The Timberwolves are not in good faith trying to trade this guy. No. I mean, that's the thing. That's the point about this. And and this only leaks out 
because teams that are trying to talk to the Wolves get so frustrated, they call Woj. Okay, you can trade, and you can trade up to seven years in the future, so you wouldn't be able to trade your 2027 pick, but other people are saying they do have a 2019 first. I don't know. Either way, that 2025 first-round pick is a real deal sweetener, so maybe it's not quite as good. I I think I would still lean toward Josh Richardson and maybe a first-round pick. But But you know what, though? It's a lot of times first-round picks become valuable. I mean, look at look at look at where the Celtics are right now. Like a lot of the guys, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all these guys that they got from fleecing the Nets when they traded KG and Paul Pierce That's to right. the Nets and the Nets basically said, "Well, here's here's a bunch of here's a bunch of first round picks and here's four first round picks and the right to swap first round picks in whatever year and look at where the Nets are." And look at where the Celtics are. And the jackpot so. the Celtics hit on top of nailing all those picks was the Nets weren't even the Nets were like an eight seed their mm-hmm. first year with those guys. The net it wasn't like the Nets squeezed three really good years out and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Nets were pretty terrible with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. I think they were like a six seed and they beat the Raptors in the first round and then Miami knocked them out in twenty fourteen. Hold on, Judd. Can you confirm that? <laughs> He's gonna look that up. Let's see here. Pretty sure it was 2014 because it was LeBron's last year with the Miami Heat. Just want to make sure. 2014, very good season. This is uh, because then KG started the next season with the Nets, and then he ended up here. Trivia, trivia, master Manny here. (laughs) Make sure here. I want to say they were like a six seed, and the Raptors were a three. What was it? The first year of Brooklyn or the second year of Brooklyn? This would have been the 13-14 season. The 2014 playoffs. The Nets were either like a fifth seed or a sixth seed. Okay, just want to make sure you're uh, on top of your game here. And they knocked the Raptors out in the first round. Because who does? How how many games? Uh, I want to say six games. Seven? Did it go seven? Okay. Sorry. And then they got first guess for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) I finally got Uh, one wrong. What a what a rascal. All right. We're gonna we usually rap with Roycey, but we're gonna we might rap with Roycey. We're gonna rap with minutes of Roycey here. It's on your next visit. Live from the TCL broadcast studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Rocco, considering where you came from, I suppose you're a fan of the opener that is ruining baseball as we know it. Did you write a column on that? (laughs) Several. Um, So I feel like open-mindedness and just curiosity are generally good traits, regardless of whatever industry that that you're in. Um, (laughs) Zing, Pat. (laughs) Oh, it was great. I loved it. It was uh, it was terrific. Yes, he. Uh, I told Levine he's got a little of Levine in him. <laughs> yeah, but it was good. Yeah, it was yeah. Great. it was great. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, I think he might have been prepared. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, I think that Dustin and Mitch might have tipped him off to look out for this uh, chubby guy out there. He might try to throw you <laughs> throw you a hand grenade at you. So uh, be ready for him. But, we, we, uh, we actually asked him that exact. We asked him if if he was prepared. It's you for and you Sid. And you Sid. know that, right? <laughs> yeah. I hate well, to tie right. you together, but th- that's the preparation. Yeah. Yeah, but it was great. I thought it was terrific. And uh, you know what we say? He won the press conference. He won the press conference. 
He won the press conference. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good, didn't you think? <laughs> yes. Who's yeah. the last person in this town to lose to the win, press conference? To lose, to lose the press it. conference? I say chilly, but who do you think? Well, we always kind of give him credit for winning the press conference, even if we don't. What I liked about him is I don't think he was trying to sell me anything except the, himself, you know, and his, uh, and his, uh, you know, the fact that uh, he's he's going to be a guy that's uh, going to try to get players comfortable and uh, fix them and do all kinds of things. Good luck to him. Yeah. Uh, I did have a nice talk with uh, Falvey about, uh, you know, okay, where are you with the two uh, with the two future of the franchises? And, and he basically admitted they're tied to these guys. They're not going to do anything about center field. They're not going to do anything about third base. And if these two guys fail, they're going to have a bad season. Yeah. So basically, he's, he, you know, they're not going to spend any of their time this winter or spend any of their valuable money uh, trying to uh, get uh, a backup plan in center field or a backup plan at third base. Yeah. Do you think it matters? We, uh, you look around the league right now. Alex Cora is a first-time manager. Uh, Dave Roberts is a first-time manager. Aaron Boone. Do you think experience even matters anymore? The way that that position has changed, Pat? No, not really. It's. Uh, I mean, it's. Uh, you know, that sometimes maybe it's. Uh, it's. It, doesn't it maybe it's better not to have it because when they come into your office with all these printouts and all these ideas you're you're uh you, you don't know how it's you don't know how it used to be you know you you, you just, this is how it is now this is the reality of today and i i do think that uh he was being honest when he said it's not all about analytics it's not all about those things but uh you know the the, the fact that I, I don't really, uh, you know, I mean, but then again, Dave Roberts has screwed up the first two games of the World Series, so sometimes experience helps, you know. But uh, over the course of 162 games, I don't think it makes any difference. Do you like Baldelli's odds of getting through to Buxton or Sano more? Uh, I have no idea. I think Sano, I'd say Sano just because he has more talent. Uh, but uh, Buxton can't hit. He's going to have to figure out what to do about they, Sano, they just, they have to change the brain, right? They have to change the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buxton, they have to change the swing. They have to, that's not a big league swing. And, uh, you know, he had a big league swing for six weeks once, but it, we, we don't see it anymore. He, Sano, a lot of people think because of the speed and the, and the, and the, and the defense, the fielding, that Sano, you know, Buxton, and I heard Phil talking. Yeah, he's you know MVP possibility and all that. Okay, but the most basic thing in being a successful baseball player is having a big league swing, and I don't think he has one. He does not get the bat to the ball quick enough, and uh, somebody's going to have to be able to fix him there, or else he's never going to be a. And I, I I don't buy the two fifty hitting thing. He can be an asset. Okay, he can be a he can be. Uh, not a liability in your lineup if he hits 250, but he's not going to be a big asset either. Hitting 250, yeah, he can go catch the ball, but that's not what we were promised. We were not promised some guy that okay he can hit seventh and uh, and catch a fly ball. That's not what we were promised. We were promised a star, and 
with that swing, he's not going to be a star. Yeah, I've I've moved off the the whatever his top end is. I've I've moved off that. Don't you think if if he can be two fifty would be with with some on base would be sort of break even and respectable and some stolen bases and then he would the value he would give you is that you could put him in the outfield and he'd save runs for six months right I mean you can't even do yeah, that but it would, if, if he could draw some walks last year he had ninety four bats and three walks yeah he had three in the minor leagues he had twelve walks in hundred and eighty or ninety bats he doesn't he's a flat out you know, probably like you in Buffalo High School, he's a flat-out guess hitter. And that's why he looks so – he does not react to the ball. He guesses what pitch is going to be coming. And if it's not that pitch, he's in trouble. And, uh, and you got to learn to react to the baseball if you're ever going to be a really, uh, you know, a productive player, I, I think. Uh, you know, that the guess hitters – now, everybody guesses some. But to me, he guesses all the time. As a guy who has covered the sport for a long time, Patrick, what's your feeling now about what we keep hearing about with these hires of partnerships? And, you know, it, it, yeah, it's a partnership. I, I, I was happy that uh, Baldelli only used that once. But I do think in some ways it is. It, you know what he's saying when he's saying you're our partner? You're going to listen to us, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what he's saying? Yes. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, the partner is when we we got this guy that, you know, we got two or three of these geniuses upstairs, and uh, when we bring them Annabelle Sanchez next year, you, we want you to uh, jump on the bandwagon instead of say, okay, well, we'll run them out there. Uh, you know, you, we, we want you to buy in to the information we're giving you. But I also do think that they – will accept Baldelli's ideas on what can we do to fix these three guys, really, not just two guys, these three guys, uh, you know, and they, I think, feel as if maybe Baldelli. I would think if I was Baldelli, I'd get on an airplane and go to the Dominican in the next week, wouldn't you? And go yeah. meet, meet Miguel Sano. I've always felt that, that, this idea that you can just turn them loose for uh, four months in the middle of the year and not not check in them—I always thought managers should should you know, especially in this situation, get on a plane and go see these guys. Yeah. Hey, Pat. Of, yeah. Oh well, I was just going to follow up on what, what you said a little earlier about how yeah he did win the press conference and he did. I, I thought he just came across as honest. He was he yeah. wasn't afraid to say I don't I don't know I've never done this before and he. He came across as just really relatable. What were some of the other things that? Because you've been you you've been known to sniff out somebody at a press conference, whether it's PJ Fleck or Tim Brewster, and kind of you know call somebody on their BSedness. What was it about him today that has you buying stock, so to speak? Well, I guess that uh, I don't know. You know me in buzzwords. <laughs> I, I in fact, I already had. I already was ready to write down the number of times the word culture was used today, and it wasn't used once. <laughs> partnership. <laughs> Replace culture, Pat. Partnership was in there, yes. That was, uh, I think, uh, Falvey used it three times, and Waldelli referred to it once, right? Once or twice, maybe. In his. But the thing about it is he, what, went at least a half hour, right? 
Yes, oh, it yeah. was half hour. Uh, yeah, at least a half hour of answering questions fully. And uh, did not reduce himself to uh, buzzwords and phrases at all. He attempted to answer. That's one thing I liked about him. He attempted to answer the actual question that he was asked. That's probably what separated him from my pal PJ and a few other people that, uh, you know, I think if Rocco Baldelli coached a baseball team that got beat 16 to two, he would uh, come in and, uh, and criticize the performance rather than uh, try to BS his way around it. And, uh, you know, I just, I just felt like he was not, trying to avoid talking about whatever the subjects were. Because when I asked him, how's your Spanish? He, uh, you know, he jumped it in, he jumped into it and said, Hey, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, it's not good. I'm, I'm not good. And we, we got to figure out a way to communicate. I thought that was a good answer, right? We yeah. got to get some Spanish speaking coaches on it. I, you know, I always, like people that actually make an effort to answer the question that is asked. And uh, I thought he did that. I thought it was funny when, um, I can't remember who it was from, from the, the Latin American reporter who asked a yeah. question and then said, uh, bienvenidos. And, yeah. Yeah. and Rocco goes, thank you. And then looks around like, see, I know what bienvenidos <laughs> means. I know what bienvenidos <laughs> means. Yeah. yeah. That was after I asked him that thing. The, the, uh, the guy from the Spanish station there picked up on that. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, don't try to BS your way. Well, I know a little bit of Spanish or not. He says, I got to get a lot better. I, I don't, you know, I'm not a, not a Spanish speaker, but I can guarantee you that they're going to end up with, uh, what, two Spanish speaking coaches and, uh, some other, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to have a diverse staff. They pretty well promised that today, didn't they? Yeah. So, so in 2019, how many games that feature the Twins starting in Oltner will Patrick Royce attend? Zero. I'm still boycotting. Okay, that maybe because you like this guy, you've changed your they tune. Might have an op- you think they'll have an opener on the opener? I hope so. I mean, because if they open, do they open on the road or at home? home. No, they open at home. Against they Cleveland. Open at home, March. So they'll actually use the starting pitchers. So they'll use Gibson and Barrios. So I can go to the first two games, then I can't go to Sunday's game <laughs> at home because they're going to have an opener on that one. They're going to have two starters and three openers. That's my Boy. prediction. You know, but there will be at least one team in Major League Baseball that doesn't have an ace. That that will open with an opener, right? Absolutely, like the, oh, yeah. like the Reds or somebody will Milwaukee. open with an. <laughs> Milwaukee will open with an opener. Yeah, Wade Miley, one out. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it'd be a heck of a performance by uh, Wade Miley yeah, yeah. in that case, Pat. You tip your cap after that, right? Get a little, yes, little three pitch strikeout. <laughs> yes. Uh, are you enjoying the uh, the World Series first two games so far? I, I enjoyed last night. It was a sprightly three twelve. Mm-hmm. And when you consider the length of between innings, that's a two-hour and fifty-minute game in the regular season. And uh, yeah, it, it's been pretty good. I uh, I don't know the uh, Dave Roberts does. Uh, boy, is he getting killed? Whoo, man! You know it's funny how when you get to the World Series, all of a sudden, how you manage the game becomes the big story all the time. And uh, he's getting probably chewed up more than he should, but he did have a bad night the first night. And then uh, yeah, a couple of times, he's uh, last night he wasn't uh, too good either. But, uh, boy, that car is a cool dude, isn't he? Man, alive. Yeah, he's great. Yep. He just, I mean, he's he's willing, last night, he's willing to lose the game. Mm-hmm. It's a World Series game, but he's going to ride with Price here. 
not go get him. And, uh, you know, okay, if somebody hits a double with the base loaded, that's the way life goes. But he's, he is, uh, we can, he knows he's got the best team. So it, that, that kind of helps. Red Sox in what, five? You think this thing's done? Yeah, I think that the, uh, I don't know. I covered the first World Series I covered was 81. The Yankees beat them the first two games in New York. It was an absolute mismatch. Uh, we went out to L.A. saying it would be over in five, and the Dodgers won the next four games. So mm-hmm. you uh, you never know about momentum in the postseason. But it's uh, the Dodgers doesn't does do not uh, with Kershaw having lost game one that puts them in bad. They don't have that starter that really petrifies you at all. So. Uh, Dozier's contract will be what? I don't think he'll, you know, it's not going to be good. Yeah. It's not going to be, he's going to end up getting a one-year, $4 million deal someplace. Like the Royals or something, yeah. I bet. It's not, it's going to be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not going to get much. Meanwhile, boy, Escobar went cheap, too, didn't you think? Three years, $21 million. Was it 20, I I, I, yeah, 21. Three years, $21 million. I would, the Twins could have. You know, he, must, he, he never became a free agent, so they never had a chance to. But I would have thought the Twins would have topped that, wouldn't they? Why if wouldn't if, if you're him? Why why wouldn't you wait a month and sign the same contract? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what number the Twins. Somebody said he was asking for too much. That's why the Twins traded him. But I I was thinking, well, he must have been asking ten, twelve million a year, but he ends up signing for seven. I would have kept him at three years, twenty-one million. Because uh, you, wouldn't you like to have him in case it all stinks? Yeah, or in you case know. in case Blanco yeah, stinks, you can, you can put him in for well, that you shirts, you know, I'm a, I, That's what I meant to ask that today. I didn't know. I, I think Blanco's going to end up at second, and they're going to probably go get a shortstop. Although with all the shortstops on the way, they might get a one-year you know, type of shortstop. But uh, I think Blanco, with the second base being open, is going to get moved over yeah. there. I don't think he's a big league shortstop. Yeah. Well, uh, assuming you're going to you're going to be columnizing here, people can read you, start to be well, start to be not. I'm, uh, I'm not officially uh, scheduled to write a column. Uh, Sue Ann's got that duty, but uh, probably uh, I'll probably blog something uh, out there. So there's a lot of good stuff today. His family's really interesting and uh, a lot of uh, interest. You know what? The Baldelli's, uh, you can tell him and dad uh, come from the same family tree. Don't uh, did you see any uh, no. audio, video of dad? No. no. They didn't show him. Yeah. Gotta find that. Yeah. Well, let's just say this. Sid's gonna love these guys. They have a physical trait in common. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. On that note, we'll oh, see you tomorrow. See you, Talk <laughs> to you right, tomorrow. Bye. bye. Oh, man. All right. Let's, huh? uh... Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. Taking a look at your traffic, we have a three-minute delay on Minnesota 36 between Lexington and Victoria. Also, there's a stalled vehicle on the east side in 694 between 36 and and Stillwater Road, also keep an eye out on a crash on I-35 southbound between American Boulevard and 494. Thank you, Declan. Look at Declan doing yeah, traffic right? over there. How is uh, traffic again? Good? Yeah, it looks good. Did uh, you co- do that again? Actually, we weren't paying attention. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, 36, three-minute delay between Lexington and Victoria. Okay. Stalled vehicle on 694 on the east side Move between 36 and Stillwater. What color is the vehicle? Uh, I think we're going with the red vehicle. Oh, going with completely red. Off the I love right radio because they can't see. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so a couple things, uh, real quick, just quick plugs. Right now, until seven o'clock, if you're in, if you're in the general area of Roseville, 
uh, Lucky's 13 Pub in Roseville. There is a live Purple Podcast taping happening right now with Courtney Cronin and Matthew Collar. Mm -hmm. And I know Matthew and Courtney are going to hang out until 7 o'clock, too. So you can go and put back some drinks and hang out, talk some football with Courtney and Matthew Collar. (laughs) Nobody likes to talk football like Matthew Collar. Nope, he is a football head, yes. And also, the Lou Nanny Weekly Podcast with you is available on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Anywhere you would find us, 1500ESPN.com, also Apple Podcasts, the 1500ESPN mobile app, you name it. So when the Wild and Kings go to overtime tonight, is uh, Staylock going to come out for OT there, Judd? I actually asked Lou about, or I I ran my idea past him, and uh, you will have to listen to the podcast to find out what Lou said, but let's just say he uh, he wasn't thrilled. Such a tease. By my ideas. Yeah. I still think it's good. Yeah. But you know what? He's Louie, so I just said, okay. Boudreaux can be the next Kevin Cash. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want to be That's what Kevin I said. Cash? Analytics, baby. Actually, this is a good talker. Hockey maybe. analytics. Can we write this talker down for tomorrow or sometime soon? Declan, take what's, what's okay. most. In, what are the most innovative things that have been done in the last five years in each of the main sports? I mean, baseball, you can name. And by innovative, I don't necessarily mean successful or sustaining, but right now the opener is an actually, innovative thing. Actually, Louis brings up one thing that's being done a lot now that a couple years ago was not done nearly as much on the ice. And he said he's never seen it like this, and it's thrilling to watch as a fan. And if you're an executive, you probably don't like it. And that's all I'm going to tell you. I'm not going oh, wow. to give you wow. what it is. Gotta go. You got to go, because he brought this up. I asked him a question, and unprompted, he said, it's unbelievable how much we're seeing this. Yeah, I think the craziest one is two-line pass. How was a two-line pass in the NHL not what was was a rule for such a long, long time? That one blows my mind. Going to bog it down. Yeah. Clog it up. Uh, because, right. if I'm not mistaken, back in the day, Montreal would, pat, would achieve <laughs> those passes and score tons of goals, and the rest of the league said we're tired of this. Absurd. Uh, the Beer Show is coming like up it. next on 1500 ESPN. So much available reacting to Rocco Baldelli on 1500ESPN.com. Big football show. Lots of football tomorrow.